Welcome to the discussion, Capitalizing on the Moment, AI for Government, sponsored by IBM. Here's today's moderator, Tom Temin. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guests today are Susan Wedge. She's a managing partner for the U.S. public and federal market at IBM Consulting. And Mehul Sangani, the chief executive officer and founder of Octo, now an IBM company. Good to have you both with us. Great to be here today. Yeah, thank Let's you start with that Octo being an IBM company. Tell us a, bit, a little bit about what happened here and what you're trying to do with this acquisition. Absolutely. IBM's long been a provider of solutions to the federal government, and we're really proud of having the opportunity to serve clients that serve people each and every day. And we were really looking to expand the impact that we have on the government and the various missions that they serve. And that's really what drove us to acquire Octo to complement the capabilities and skills that we can bring to the market. Um, and so excited about that acquisition that closed at the end of last year. Yeah, and this really comes, uh, Mayhul, at an opportune time because modernization is the word on every federal program manager and right. IT manager's lips. Yeah, no, I, I think there's a heavy amount of jargon. Uh, there's a lot of uh, Me Too providers in the space, but you know, Octo has really built its reputation. You know, now you know, combined with IBM, you know, on providing digital modernization capabilities, but doing so at scale. Uh, and not just paying lip service to, to modernization, being able to impact missions in a meaningful way across the federal government landscape to include defense, intelligence, healthcare, and civilian markets, but also bring next generation capabilities to the modernization lexicon. So uh, things such as artificial intelligence, machine learning, open source data interoperability capabilities, things that we frame as sort of modernization 2.0. So it's sort of the next phase of adoption beyond just sort of DevSecOps and sort of agile uh, software development, uh, bringing those capabilities to bear. Yeah, so it's more than doing the same old thing a little bit better. You're looking at a step function increase when you say scaling. That's where you really need AI and the ability to use data at, at, at also at scale. Yeah, that's correct. I think if you look at you know how folks are looking at you know, artificial intelligence today, it's certainly you know uh, one an area where a lot of folks are sort of as we say running the daylight with solutions. <laughs> We really focused on specific federal use cases um, where you can not only speed the time to adoption, but have significant impact uh, in a relatively short time period. And let me ask you this, because the use cases for AI often bifurcate into two kind of buckets. One is internally focused to improve operations, efficiency, paper processing, application processing, casework. And then the other is what faces outward toward the mission. Do you look at it that way, or is it one continuum? We certainly look at both, and the most effective application of AI is that integrated workflow that goes from the end consumer of those mission services or that mission impact all the way through, so enabling the operations to be more effective um, and more efficient. All right, so what are the issues in AI? I mean, and what does it mean to have impact on federal operations from your standpoint? I think if I look at how does AI and how can AI impact federal operations, it really comes down to making things better, faster, smarter, cheaper, right? Being able to make more effective use of resources. When I think about the uses or the, the concerns rather with AI, it really comes down to the ethical use of AI and having the transparency around um, AI, not just the technology itself, but the application of that technology. 
Um, IBM's had a long history uh, around ethical AI. We were the first major tech company to stand up a chief privacy officer. Uh, we also had stood up at that same time an AI ethics board to make sure that the application of the technology is not just going to drive the impacts, but drive them in the right way. And I want to delve into that ethics and transparency because they're related, but they're not exactly the same thing. Ethics is what you bring to it. Mm -hmm. Transparency is kind of what you can prove. And what are some of the mechanisms uh, for transparency in AI? We've applied I think a, that's not that well understood. Yeah, we've applied a number of different technologies as well as principles to this. And part of that is that gov our government clients own their government data, right? So they know the source of the data. Um, they understand uh, not only the AI models, but also how those models have been trained um, so that there's full understanding of how models are trained and applied. Um, and then also, um, they understand that it's um, really AI to augment human intelligence and um, making sure that there's a human in the loop where appropriate, particularly on some of the missions of the, the federal government. Yeah, maybe Mayhul, tell us some of the case histories, some of the sure. examples of where this is shown to be proven effective. Yeah, I think you know when you look at you know what we've talked about or what I've, I've shared already is that there are a lot of solutions out there in the market that are sort of run into daylight. Right now, you know, there are a lot, there's a lot of talk about ChatGPT and mm -hmm. its capabilities. But recently, there's a Stanford study just released uh, just last week that showed that, you know, ChatGPT's efficacy has degraded. It's gone from solving simple math problems at 100% accuracy now to, to even 4% accuracy. And so, you know, that therein lies the rub, you know, as the government looks to uh, speed its pace of adoption, there is no shortage of open source uh, language learning models out there. And one of the things that we've really focused on is providing tools, as I've noted, that are attacking specific use cases. In particular, we have a solution known as Hatteras that focuses on LLM and LLM degradation. So it is a machine learning operations platform that looks at the degradation of these models and ensures greater confidence. So you asked about a specific use case in which we're applying that. You know, uh, in the uh, DOD and IC domain, that particular solution is being used at the operator level for soldiers, you know, that are uh, taking information from various sensors that not only have confidence in the information that they're gathering from the sensors, but be able to have uh, at their fingertips uh, to be able to see the degradation of those models and be able to right size and uh, readjust those models to ensure that they're operating effectively. Um, so this is sort of uh, what I view as sort of the next frontier. You know, right now we're seeing a lot of talk about language learning models and how they, they get implemented, but having solutions like Hatteras, having these sort of uh, artificial intelligence solutions that allow so, uh, for some real world applicability to specific uh, mission sets is uh, where IBM and Octo are looking to, to take their solutions. And that really relates to the data issue because you could have a perfectly healthy baby when you launch your AI, but if you feed it bad data over time, that's how you get this degradation. Yeah, and all, mach all machine learning models have drift. Uh, you know, that's sort of, as we've seen in the Stanford study, that's sort of uh, the dirty secret that exists with, you know, the potential and, and the un lack of understanding and how these sort of deep learning models work and degrade over time. And so that's where we've tried to develop specific solutions that attack that particular gap that exists, you know, in terms of adoption. You know, separately, you know, we uh, collectively, you know, have, uh, you know, what is unique. We have a 15,000 square foot facility 
that is dedicated to artificial intelligence. And so, you know, that allows government agencies to bridge the gap between the potential of AI, being able to partner with industry, being able to partner with academia. And then one of the other major challenges, which is, you know, you talked about the data, protecting that data, not having it exist in multiple domains. We have, you know, 15 petaflops of AI computing uh, power within that facility to allow folks to experiment and look at use cases in an environment that protects their data and shoulder to shoulder with folks that know and understand their mission. So that could be a safe place to test something, especially over time, so you can see what drift might come in without something like a Hatteras or whatever to, to correct it as you keep going. Yes, correct. And we, we've taken it, uh, you know, there, there is that mantra, if you build it, they will come. We have built this facility with the idea of attacking that particular gap that we see in federal, uh, federal mission adoption for solutions uh, around AI. And I think the key thing there to just add is the need to see it in action. And so a lot of, right, there's so much talk about AI in the, the marketplace today. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone says they can do it. But being able to actually build, partner, see that technology in action, so a, a, a show me, not tell me, is really important and one of the benefits of the OLAB facility that Mahul had mentioned. And of course, having that facility gets back to the question of privacy, because you are holding federal data or federal partner industry data. Mm -hmm. So there really has to be a focus, as there is in a federal agency itself using data from the public, personally identifiable information, CUI, all of these things. You've got to, got to practice what you preach. Absolutely. I think uh, that's central to, to how we approach uh, artificial intelligence. Again, you know, when you're dealing with law enforcement agencies, when you're dealing with you know, customers in the intelligence community. And even, you know, when you talk about uh, some of the, the specific healthcare uh, mission sets that we support, you know, uh, within HHS and other industries, you know, we, we approach it from the perspective of attacking uh, artificial intelligence with solutions that meet them where the mission exists. Um, you know, for example, you know, the cloud does not exist uh, on a, a Navy ship. It doesn't exist in austere environments in Af Afghanistan where operators operate, and it certainly doesn't exist for our CBP uh, folks that are supporting the border. And so, you know, we've developed specific solutions. We have a solution known as CX Edge that supports the assimilation of information uh, on a machine to machine basis, data interoperability, AI, uh, from a privacy perspective, uh, where it exists, even in austere environments. Okay, and so it's like a something you can load up and take with you. This Correct. seems to be the trend, and it's also an edge facility, perhaps, even if you have connectivity to the cloud, it sounds like we're talking about edge a little bit. Well, it's important to be able to make sure that work can get done in the optimal location. So being able to get the capability to the edge has been a big focus of both Octo and IBM. Okay, well, on that note, we're going to take a short break. My guests today are Susan Wedge. She's a managing partner for the U.S. public and federal market at IBM Consulting, and Mehul Sangani, the chief executive officer and founder of Octo, now an IBM company, I'm Tom Temin. This discussion is capitalizing on the moment, AI for Government, sponsored by IBM here on Federal News Network. And now a word from our sponsor, IBM. Today, people expect government services to be just a click away, putting pressure on federal agencies to keep up. Enter IBM. With decades of government experience, IBM can help transform how work gets done through data, AI, and intelligent automation. And now, with IBM's acquisition of Octo, that digital transformation expertise goes even deeper. Let's create new ways for government to do business. Learn how at ibm.com government. IBM. Let's create. 
Welcome back to our discussion, Capitalizing on the Moment, AI for Government, sponsored by IBM here on Federal News Network. My guests today are Susan Wedge. She's a managing partner for the U.S. public and federal market at IBM Consulting, and Mehul Sangani, the chief executive officer and founder of Opto, an IBM company. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. And I want to get into what an engagement actually looks like, because earlier in the discussion we talked about modernization, which every agency is talking about. There's money for it, real money, real dollars for it. And we were talking about the idea of scale. And so it's not just rewriting your code for the cloud or finding tweaks here and there and so forth. Where does AI fit in the cycle and what does an engagement look like? Walk us through a modernizing at scale that would incorporate AI and a new data approach. Absolutely, Tom. I can give you an example of work we're doing with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Um, so it's been reported across the news, there's a number of claims coming in for veterans benefits into the Veterans Benefits Administration. New legislation, yeah, exactly. New legislation like the PACT Act, as well as just um, ongoing needs for benefits by veterans. So huge and growing backlog, a significant, you know, almost a windfall of claims expected and, and coming into Veterans Affairs. And then this challenge to say, how do we get benefits out to veterans more quickly? So we've uh, implemented a platform with AI and automation at that core of the platform to essentially read their digitized mail. So they get in you know, all sorts of mail relative to uh, claims for veterans benefits. We read the mail, make sense of the mail, and take action on the mail. Um, and that action can come in a, in a number of different ways, either requests for additional information, processing to the veterans benefits management system. In some cases where we can presume a condition of a veteran, we're actually able to go make a medical appointment for a veteran. So we've been able to get that processing time, what used to take three to four months on average for veterans to get benefits, down to hours and days. Um, and then at the same time, VA has seen the productivity benefits that you referenced earlier, where they've been able to redeploy some of their claim specialists, hundreds of them, north of 500 claim specialists, to higher value work to make sure that they're spending their time mm -hmm. on the most impactful tasks as it relates to veterans' benefits. So just one use case where it's really at the core of the workflow and integrated into the work that the VA performs each and every day. It's not a not a standalone box or widget sitting outside of their core business that they perform each and every day. And a couple of follow-up questions. When you say reading digitized mail, that means paper mail that might have been converted to a machine-readable format. Exactly. So VA will um, VA actually digitizes all of their mail, and they retain those records. Um, we read their mail that's been digitized and make sense of it. Now, that's not all, you know, that's both structured and unstructured data. It may be standard forms. It may be handwritten notes that came in as part of that. So that, uh, it can be any any format, but they've made it digitized. Now, I guess email, too, which exactly <laughs> regular letters and numbers and ASCII code. And A little bit easier to read that. <laughs> but my bigger question is, where does AI begin and just old-fashioned orchestration leave off here? Um, AI is being used in this particular use case to actually read and make sense and make inferences of the tech of the text. So based on you know, one of our one of our use cases around presumptive conditions, based on information that's read as well as the, the supporting language um, learning that's taken place as part of the AI, it's making inferences about people's conditions and making judgment calls with a hum human in the loop where appropriate 
to determine what, what action needs to be taken next. Yeah, and not just to make a crude example, but if, say, someone has constant hacking cough, the program has to know that the piece of information or the piece of data may also contain the words, I don't have yeah, A. Exactly. It can understand that. Exactly. So because being able to make sense, what, being able to make out. sense of both that structured and the unstructured data um, based on the learning that's happened within the models then makes sense and take action as a result. Yeah, and Mayhul, that's a really good example of where you need that consistency of performance and not having drift. Absolutely. It becomes incoherent. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, uh, again, many, uh, if not all, uh, language learning models have this drift. It, uh, it is not a panacea as we've seen already uh, with chat GPT. Right. So the drift occurs in non-generative AI systems also. At, absolutely. Absolutely. And how do you prevent that? What's the mechanism? What's the secret octo sauce here? Uh, so we've developed a solution uh, that allows, uh, to, to really sits on top. It's a machine learning operations platform that sits on top of the uh, algorithms themselves, uh, the uh, large language models as they're referred to themselves, and allows you to monitor the efficacy of those language learning models over a period of time. Separately, it not only allows for the monitoring of those uh, LLMs in real time, or language learning models in real time, or algorithms as they were in real time, but it also allows you to be able to adjust those and course correct those models uh, so that they uh, can generate much, much more accurate data. Uh, and again, this is highly applicable in environments where certainly uh, agencies, uh, organizations are not going to have data scientists uh, at their fingertips to be able to make adjustments to algorithms on the fly. Uh, and when you look at the DOD or intelligence uh, community specific examples, um, you know, data scientists don't exist on the battlefield. Um, if you look at the unmanned aerial vehicles that are in heavy proliferation, that are you know, autonomous in many ways, all of them have uh, mm -hmm. algorithms hard-coded into their engineering. But what, what monitors the drift in those algorithms when they go awry? Uh, and so, again, having software solutions that address that specific use case or that specific challenge, I mean, uh, AI is, uh, comes with its challenges as well, but having solutions that address that challenge are where uh, IBM and Octo uh, can really uh, add value. You almost need a reference outcome from the very start and some sort of a compare or check some against that reference that started out when you started and then, then you know what the drift is. That, that's correct. But at I'm the probably oversimplifying. <laughs> yes, but uh, yes, correct. I mean, again, uh, all of these language learning models, you know, have inherently complex, um, you know, inference associations, uh, you know, that are built into them, as I noted, uh, in the UAV example, but really having an automated way of attacking that problem uh, is significant as well. Yeah, I ask that not because of the you know technical niceties and complexities and academics, but this is what agencies worry about: is can I trust what is happening with the system that I may not be able to fully understand what's under the hood? Right, and and the examples go far beyond you know just. Uh, mundane examples in terms of how you might uh, look to automate the processing of paper, but really into more complicated examples that affect human life itself. Um, if you're in a law enforcement environment and you're relying on information from drones, if you are a operator in the field, you know, a soldier in the field and you're having to rely on sensor-based information that you're receiving, 
you know, and that information degrades over time, it could have a significant impact on, on uh, human life. And so there again, we take uh, these missions seriously and we take the application of AI very seriously. And you know, in doing so, you have to look at what the challenges are for adoption. And we really look at solutions that can meet the gaps uh, that exist between adoption and the promise of the solution. Yeah, and what are the big challenges? Are they mostly technical? Are they cultural for the agency? Are they human capital related, all of the above? I think it really comes down in my mind to governance overall, right? Like certainly the there's workforce challenges, having the right people to implement, um, implement and support the technology. But at the end of the day, I really think it comes down to the age old challenge of governance. And I expand that governance, not just to, to what do you do and how do you manage things, but really that understanding of where the data is, who owns the data, you know, the, the source, the, the nature of the data, whether that be open source data or other models that are agency proprietary, really understanding that and understanding how it's being applied within, within the given agency. Yeah, and understanding the data is really key to making sure that outcomes are, are reliable. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you look at uh, the other challenge, in addition to governance, I believe is, you know, uh, there's no shortage of proliferation, especially when it comes to open source. You're going to have access to algorithm after algorithm after algorithm and the federal government. And so really being able to sift through that. Um, one of the problems that naturally any government agency has is the ability, uh, the agility to be able to adopt, um, you know, the right uh, language learning model, the right algorithm you know, for their agency. And that's really where not only our solutions, but our environment, uh, the lab environment uh, that IBM Octo have collectively, you know, is meant as a conduit to be able to bridge that gap between, uh, you know, looking at those algorithms and being able to tweak those algorithms with folks that know and understand the mission shoulder to shoulder with those government agencies. The other gap as well is, is being able to have the infrastructure, uh, you know, the algorithms that are, uh, AI, the promise of AI, uh, you know, have are really complicated and many times often fail uh, in even, you know, robust cloud environments. You need to have specific infrastructure that can support, you know, the complex uh, computer vis visualization and other things uh, that the promise of AI demand. And that's really what our lab environment is meant to, to, to really uh, bridge the gap for. So, you know, as me you know, there is no shortage of uh, providers out there that are looking to attack um, artificial intelligence, but we're also looking at the gaps and the challenges of AI adoption, whether it be governance, whether it be infrastructure, whether it be degradation uh, in model efficacy, and looking at solutions that bridge those gaps to speed the adoption. Yeah, so the infrastructure really comes to bear here. We talked about that a little bit earlier. You might need a combination of infrastructure, cloud, and your own facilities maybe at the edge or portable for those austere environments and so forth. So. I think planning sounds like a major challenge here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to the point on infrastructure, we really believe in the multi-hybrid cloud environment. So the concept that workloads need to take place in the right locations for those workloads and for the mission support. So that might be on-premise. It might be in a private cloud. It might be in a public cloud. It might be at the edge, right? So making sure that we've got that you know hybrid environment to be able to support the right mission at the right, right location. All right, well, we are at the stopping point. I'm afraid that we could go on for hours. Some very fascinating insight, and we thank you both very much. Thanks. Our guests today have been Susan Wedge. She's managing partner for the U.S. public and federal market at IBM Consulting. 
Mayhul Sangani is the chief executive officer and founder of Octo, an IBM company. I'm Tom Temin. You're listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, please visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search IBM. Thank you for listening to the discussion, Capitalizing on the Moment, AI for Government, sponsored by IBM on Federal News Network.